0: doing folks in this episode i'm joined today by former olympic coach rob cober former olympians emerson smith troy murphy and former us ski team member and national champion hunter bailey and in this episode we talk about the olympics give a little bit of a wrap up and we touch on some of the end of the season thoughts so hope you folks enjoy thanks record Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time. It's nice and fun. It's been a been a couple of weeks since we got to talk a little bit of uh, hot mogul action, and we got Emerson. Nice of you to uh, show up for this one. You know Lars uh, Zemba couldn't be here. We'd have there would be a lot of uh, screens going on right now, that's for sure. And Hunter, first time to the show. Thanks for uh, for coming on, taking the time to talk about uh, some bump skiing.
1: Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
2: long time listener first time caller yeah, long time, yeah exactly
1: <laughs> well
0: um
1: <laughs> nice
0: that's good well we do have a laundry list to go over because we had a lot of picks uh from the last uh show kind of previewing what what we thought was going to happen and it definitely uh ended up certainly a lot different than i think everybody expected on The men's side, uh, as we touched on beforehand, I was definitely not brave enough to uh, have Walter get the win. I thought he would finish in second and uh, Mick would kind of be able to get the, get the job done uh, and repeat, but uh, not to be the case. And uh, it shows how difficult it is to repeat, especially on the uh, women's side as well. Definitely a lot of shake up there, but uh, I just going to leave it to the floor. I'll go to the right of me. So we'll start with Rob, just overall kind of thoughts and uh, what what you uh, saw through the Olympics.
3: Yeah, well, it was, uh, it was definitely different for me this time. Uh, getting up, setting the alarm to go off at four o'clock in the morning and watching it in bed beside my wife at, in the middle of the night, that was a, a little bit different than the last few uh, Olympic games. But uh, it was definitely fun to watch. Um, boy when Mick crossed that finish line and then even you know after Walter crossed that finish line I was pretty sure that it was going to be a successful defense of that Olympic title so I was a little bit surprised uh when they gave it uh, to Walter as you know you kind of uh, alluded to maybe can save a discussion on the what we all thought of the judging for maybe a little bit later in the in the podcast here but uh but not to take anything away from Walter, that's for sure. Like, he was skiing to win, and he had no big mistakes in his run, and uh, he smoked it. So that was uh, – it was fun to watch. It was disappointing. And obviously, I was going to be rooting for Mick. And uh, But uh, it was fun to watch. I think Akuma was a pretty big surprise too. Again, I'm not sure. There's probably some uh, – going to be some pretty interesting thoughts on, on his run and whether he, uh, was where he deserved to be in the final result list. Uh, the women too, that was, you know, for sure, like we said, uh, it was a tough course. I think that, um, in theory that should have made the judges job a little bit easier, but boy, they, you look at those scores, they didn't use very much of the range and, uh, there was some interesting calls on the women's side too. You did well though Bobby picking uh Anastasia as a as the dark horse. So yeah. Good good for you on that on that call. Um, yeah, it was uh <laughs> as always I'm sure it was a, a different Olympics for uh for those uh skiers to experience than the in the past several but uh you know they put on a good show and a lot of kids stepped up, a lot of kids were a little bit nervous i think and the one guy too like I, I think uh that the two young guys in that super final they both crushed it i thought nick mm-hmm. page and uh and cooper they both they both killed it uh it's really good to see some new blood you know for sure probably under the most pressure that those guys have ever felt in their in their Absolutely. relatively short careers they both crushed it in the superfinal. so that was pretty good on uh on the men's side um Yeah, the women's side too, the women, it was, it was nice to see, uh, it was nice to see Jalen, I, I, you know, we talked about that on that last podcast, how that decision to kind of skip those World Cups, how that would work out, and I was, you know, I wasn't sure, She's certainly, there's no doubt about her ability, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a believer, and, you know, when things are going well, and you're a contender to kind of keep your foot on the gas going into a big event like that, but, you know, she certainly proved that there's more than more than one right way to, to approach these things so
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah no that was definitely one of those uh, one of the things you know we talked a lot about that pre-olympic qualification and peaking for that one event and how that all worked out and I, we talked about it a little bit uh, before the show but just you know Brian uh, Zembo is not here I mean he called uh, Jalen as his dark horse he's like you know she skis really well there she's had three wins and I think a second kind of going in and i think all that noise absolutely played a role uh without a question you know i'm sure um all the uh white noise going around and everything else i'm sure that put a big uh, chip on her shoulder and uh it was really nice to see uh jaylen yeah ski nice and aggressive and i think that was kind of one of the takeaways for me is just the judges really seem to favor that aggressiveness you know i think um from watching mick and his run i mean it was a nice like stock run but it was not it was like okay that he it seemed like he left the door just a little bit open when i saw that time come across like one zero like, or one three i was like huh all right he and and he seemed to after he got his score and he beat akuma at least to me it seemed like he celebrated like it was done deal he kind of had it and i think he was it at least seemed, you know, he was very gracious in defeat. Um, but I think he was a little surprised uh, as, as a lot of people were. Troy, uh some of your thoughts on uh, the Olympics.
2: Yeah, thanks. Similar to Rob, it was interesting uh dynamic for watching. I think um it set me back in the work week because I was getting up at whatever time it was to <laughs> to watch, and then we go back for like the qualifying days, we'd wake up and watch that first run, and then like go back to sleep and then watch the next round and back to sleep and and at uh, the end of the work day, I was like, oh, God, I put hurting on myself in those early mornings. And then uh, we drove up to Tahoe on Saturday morning, and uh, Shelby, my wife, I made her drive at, like, 3 a.m., and I just sat there and watched live <laughs> as, the, as the games went on. So definitely a different scenario than the last time. But, um, yeah, it's just super exciting. It, it uh, kind of, like, brings back all the memories, and you kind of, like, You're not standing in the gate, but you almost get like a little bit of those jitters just watching some of the, you know, people that you've been skiing against or rooting for. So it was cool to have, uh, yeah, it was just cool to watch a game where you're maybe not as stressed out about it, but you have some uh, horse race. So that was really fun. Um, Yeah, I think we'll probably get into more of a judging conversation later, but, you know, Rob brings up some really good points and some of those scores, especially on the super final day there with, you know, potentially Akuma and, I kind of thought um, Henri is how, you feel it, is how you pronounce it correct. I thought yeah. Henri actually had a pretty good run too and maybe uh, could have been standing on the box somewhere. Uh, so, you know, I feel like the judging, was. it was interesting to like in watching other sports too. Like, it wasn't just uh, mobile by any means. Like, there was some pretty big controversy in, like, uh, Half men's
0: pipe, snowboarding. Sword,
2: and, yeah. yeah, pipe and in slope, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, just across the board, it seems like maybe a little bit more high-profile, ju- you know, judging in question, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, I don't know if anything comes to that, maybe, you know, people can, if we can figure out a way to tighten it up, I guess with judging, you they really can, but um, other takeaways, I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know, it just looked, uh, you know, you wish you were there, it looks fun, it was, they actually got some snow in China, which is, I think, a rarity, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good time to watch. I'm excited to get into more like kind of the nitty gritty discussions here. I think my picks were wildly off, <laughs> as we discussed. But you know that's how
0: it goes. You, women's side, you had Perrine, Henri, and Kai. Horse or, or an OG was your dark horse. And on the men's, it was Mick, Nick, Akuma, and then uh dark horse there, you had Cole or Dylan. For the, uh, for the for you there, so I guess uh, All right. I had some close calls. Some close calls. you had some close calls, definitely. Uh, e dog, what were your uh, your thoughts?
4: I thought it was a great event to watch. Um, the big thing for me is, uh, I think it's really hard to analyze it with the angle they give us on the live feed. Definitely. Um, but from watching from that angle, I uh, I thought Walter hands down won wanted- it. I uh, I didn't have picks before. That wouldn't have been it if I did. I thought it was a throwdown between Mick and Akuma. Um, I thought maybe Cavett or Matt Graham could have, you know, given them a run. But I thought it was basically those two dudes competing for a gold. And uh, Walter kind of came in and snatched it right up, um, which I thought was cool to see. Like, I thought it was great for Mogul skiing. There's a new gold medalist, and he kind of brought back that, like, fast-charging exciting run which is good to see absolutely um the women's side uh crazy to see a 360 on the box again you know she did have a mute crab in it which is cool but uh yeah I'm kind of same page I thought Henri maybe could have uh, could have stood on a box but I think one two they got right there and yeah three could have been two so I thought it was a great event to watch super exciting Kind of edge of the seat, I thought at the end there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, it, it was uh, awesome to see Walter. I mean, he stepped up, stepped up, and like took it, you know, uh, on the men's side. And then Jakara, just she was skiing so consistent. And that run, I mean, that cork mute, sweet. She's really got that bottom air. And and I think compared to some of the runs earlier in the year, she actually got some a uh, little bit more extension and kind of lift on that bottom air,
3: yeah.
0: where earlier in the season she was kind of just pushing down the hill, not quite getting that same amplitude. So that was, uh, yeah, no, it was super, super exciting. Hunter, your your thoughts on the uh, Olympics?
1: Um, well, Edoc and I watched it together. We were in St. Combs. We, like, woke up early with the whole team and watched it, which was super fun. And uh, they were super hyped on it, I feel like, which was super cool to see on both men's and women's sides. Uh, I guess the thing that I was most surprised by was that, like, a like Libby didn't throw the 10, like I, I was expecting that. And then none of the dudes really like I thought maybe a 14 would go down or like a core or a cork ten grab. Like um I don't know. I I I feel like everybody kind of skied their kind of super stock or maybe even below stock runs, except for Walter. So I was kind of I, I thought I agree with the dog. I kind of thought he um just skied like, like a lot more badass than everybody else, which is cool. Like, I think that's one way to be everybody, and he kind of did it. So I thought it was sick. Uh, One thing that I thought was interesting, like, um, when there was all the the mistakes going on in Half Pipe, they were blaming it on, like, they didn't have replay. And I was thinking maybe, I I don't know, I feel like it maybe makes a case for, like, replay in, in moguls, or at least, like, side angle of the jump for the judges or something. Like, if the other sports have it, it seems like it should at least be talked about for mobile skiing or maybe for like finals or something, which I don't know, seemed like something that we could yeah. discuss.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things that that as Emerson kind of touched on. I mean, it's hard to get a really good idea of like the mistakes and the overall like impression of the run. I mean, clearly from the side view, you can see Walters stepping on it and he's going. Um, super, super fast, super aggressive, but that made it and that's kind of always made it uh, difficult. I mean, I think really since 2002, they've been doing that broadcast with the wire coming down the line. I mean, I know when CBS did the last broadcast, at least at the 98 Olympics, you had like a, a bird's eye view, the same view that the judges really get. So you can really get a good view of the run and kind of the same thing that the judges see. So that's one of those things where, I mean, to me, and I think to most people, like Akuma's mistakes seem pretty significant from that side angle and um that was certainly the biggest surprise for me is how he ended up on the box i mean i felt really bad for either ben or nick because i thought both of those guys really screed uh great in that super final and either one of those guys really could have been on there and that to me was like super super shocking i I thought with those mistakes i mean akuma might have even been six because it wasn't like cooper had a terrible run. I mean, he was super dynamic and aggressive. I mean, maybe he just didn't quite have that same DD. I mean, I think he's kind of maxed out that run uh, to what he's going to be able to, to work his way up. But that was, I mean, similar to what you talked about as well, Hunter, the, the degree of difficulty. I mean, um, it's definitely taken a little bit of that step back where you know, 2014 everyone's doing double full 10 and that's kind of the main run to be able to get it done. And That was one of the interesting things that I thought for, for Mick, where, I mean, certainly he left some meat on the bone, but if he wanted to ski, like maybe a a 75, 80% run, because that's what it looked like to me, it was kind of more of that walk in the park that maybe he, what, why not throw the double full? I mean, you got more DD than anybody else in the world. Um, So I don't know, Rob, maybe you you can speak to that and, and, you know. Yeah, I haven't spoken
3: to Mick, like I, you know, we traded a few messages after the games and but I haven't actually spoken to him and I don't want to put him in an awkward position to answer those kind of questions straight (laughs) up, but I I'm dying to know too. And for sure, like, you know, maybe you never know with those situations, if he was nursing some kind of injury or, you know, if there's something that he had to try to protect. Um, I'm pretty sure that Akuma has been all year. I haven't uh, been, you know, nosy about the details but he was getting treatments at the bottom of the mobile course you know on a regular basis pretty much every every training session the Japanese team medical staff was all over him so he had stuff going on I don't know what for sure but for sure that was affecting his performance and maybe maybe Mick did too and the one thing I'm sure you could kind of get from the tv coverage still was the the difficulty of the course and I don't know without being there, it's hard to know precisely just what it was like compared to the six weeks I spent there last February and March. But it, it's a beast of a course, and it's 100%. Like they did get a little bit of natural snow, which kind of was nice for the television coverage. But that course is like 100% rock hard, super dense man made snow. And it is, you know, it's an honest, I think. They called it, they only called it 28 degrees, but when I was there with mm-hmm. my inclinometer shooting it from the top to the bottom air, I got a pretty honest, pretty steady, uh, non-deviating 29 degrees. And You couldn't see the finish line from the start because the, the, the bottom air landing is too steep. So they called it 28 degrees, but I, when I was there last year, it was more like 29, 29 and a half degrees. Hmm. Um, so it, it's a very, very tough course. And of course the team I was coaching last year, none of those kids were really at a level yet to be, you know, even thinking about doing back full on the top air. Um, so for sure that, that probably played a role at the same time, I, you know, I know Mick and I know what he's capable of. And if those guys didn't have a spreadsheet going, kind of estimating what the, the scores were going to be and the times that were going to be necessary to make sure, you know, to really. Make sure we're going to get the job done. Then they were, not you know, they weren't doing their job. And mm-hmm. for sure, if Walter can ski in 23 and a half seconds, I think you know probably even if the if we said the judging was okay, the technical scores were okay, I think if Mick would have skied it in 24 seconds, that would have been fast, you know, a second faster, and he, it would have been enough for the win. So, yep. so I don't, yeah, I don't know all the answers, but you know, it's easy to judge from the outside. But uh, for sure, you got to think that that was within his capabilities and hopefully you know he had good information going into that event and was making you know solid decisions based on accurate information um but yeah it's it would be be interesting to know uh interesting to know all those all those little details
0: yeah no uh certainly i mean it's definitely one of those things that hindsight is twenty twenty. you get a very clear view of, uh, you know, what you could have done differently, what you should have done differently. And that's, uh, I think what makes our sport great and also makes it, uh, so, um, infuriating at times, because you have about 24 seconds to figure it out. And then, especially when it comes to the Olympics, it's once every four years. So you get a long time to, to sit back and, and kind of think on what you could have done differently, what, you know, whether what the judges were thinking or all those different things play, uh, play into it. Uh, so it definitely makes it an interesting, uh, interesting aspect, but uh, yeah, I guess let's, let's get into a little bit of that judging. Troy, your, uh, your thoughts on uh, some of what you saw. Yeah. From a judging, per- well, if I can walk it back for a second, just
2: like yeah. kind of go on with Rob and a couple of the guys who said, yeah, I, I kind of agreed with Hunter and, uh, and Emerson that I felt like Nick kind of left the, the door a little bit open and, you know, left some meat on the bone. And I definitely agree that Walter was the guy who came in and snatched it up. I think he kind of like skied to the very high end of his ability level and kind of maxed out his, you know, degree of difficulty on the jumps and then like really focused on doing, you know, what he can do well. He he did that to the max of his ability, which was ski as fast as possible. And I thought Mick but but not just Mick like a lot of those guys, um it almost seems like we're going backwards in a little bit on, on some of these jumps. Like, I, I don't know, I could be mistaken, but I don't know if there was a single double hole in the whole games. And, you know, a lot of those guys, Ben Kovett has been doing that since, I don't know, since a really long time, you know, <laughs> since I was on world cup, we were all doing double full to 10, like when I first got on there and, and that was like a long time ago. So it's 2014. And I think even before that. So. It's just interesting to see, like, Ben and Mick and, um, you know, even, like, Nick Page is a guy who's very capable of doing double-fold. Like, cork 10 obviously can do double-fold at 14. Akuma can do double-fold. Like, there's so many guys out there who have a lot more in the tank and that and it, it didn't come out there. And it could be, like, we obviously we, we were not there. We didn't see how difficult the course was. The top air could have been pretty gnarly. But I don't know. I remember standing in Washiro on a super foggy day and Alex Bilodeau ripped a double-fold in training on that. Top jump there, and so if that can be done. Then it kind of, you kind of got to wonder. And I <laughs> probably can do that trick anywhere. Um, so that was just one observation. Like I would, have I would like see a little bit more pushing it on the degree of difficulty and kind of like getting the sport moving back in that direction, uh, just to keep it exciting. It kind of seems like everyone's focused on having a really clean run, and I get it. You know, you got to do what's going to score well, but it just seems from the excitement of the sport level. Uh, it was cool to see Walter pushing on speed, and I would like to see more guys pushing it on the jumps. But, um, yeah, when we get back to the to the judging discussion, I think, I you know, I'm in the camp that I think Akumo should have been in, in six. Like, I don't really – I thought Cooper's run was great. I thought Nick and Ben both skewed really well. I think if I was going to – if I was going to judge it in hindsight, I would have had Walter, Mick, uh, Ben, and then Nick, Cooper – in Akuma, and I think a lot of you know a lot of folks that I've uh, been around just were pretty amazed with uh, Akuma's score there. But again, like we didn't see it from the bottom, so may- like maybe there's a chance that that run looked a little bit different from that bottom angle. Who knows? Um, and then yeah, on the judges' side, on the women's side, like I said, you know, I think they got one and two right. Like I think maybe E Dog had said with uh, with Jakara laying down that really nice run and pushing the jumps for sure, clean skiing fast time. Like, I think it was hard to argue with that. It was super psyched to see Jalen lay it down like she did, you know, like skiing super fast and aggressive and it just seemed like back to her old self. Uh, so that was great to see. And then I kind of thought that Henri should have been third, but I, I think that was a bit of a closer, uh, a bit of a closer race. So um, yeah, those are those are my takes on, on the judging aspect.
0: Edog?
4: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same page there. The uh, the one about Akuma in third that gets me is like, I remember watching 2017, the test event in Chain from the side view and seeing Mick out of the top air and it looked like he made a monster mistake. It was like, oh, he just blew it, right? And then he ended up winning. Like two weeks later, somebody put it up on YouTube. You see the bottom angle and it was like, not even a little step out. It was like, mm-hmm. He just came over to bump, so it's that kind of makes me wonder about Akuma's mistake out of top air. If it just that close up side angle made it look like a huge deal, and you watch it from the bottom, and it was just some normal Akuma crazy shit. Right. So I don't, I don't really know. Um, I thought Ben, ski great. Like his super finals run was, you know, he wanted a medal, he gave it. Um. Nick skied unreal, like, all day. He came out and just did his job, laid runs down. So I really think either of those two guys could have could have gotten a bronze. Um, and then, yeah, Coop skied sick, kind of same as they were saying. Like, his run, it seems like he maxed out just with DD he has and stuff. Like, he was skiing that run as good as he can. Um, and then women's side, same thing. Like, yeah, Jalen came out and played her strengths like none other. She was just balls to the walls all day, and it paid off. And then, yeah, Jakara, just kind of her classic stock run. Like, I think she plays the judging really well. Like, she's got great absorptions. Her posture is unreal, and she just – she looks like a real-deal pro out there. So third could have been Henri. Could have been, you know, Anastasia. I don't know.
0: What about Perrine?
4: I don't, you know, I think she, she underperformed, you know, like it seems like for three, four years now, we've just seen her dominate. And uh, this year, something with judges, they just, they didn't like it as much. And I don't know if it was on her end or if it's like a classic Brick Cox, you know, she comes out one season, basically wins everything, gets the overall, and then the next year, like, in my eyes, I didn't see anything change on her end, but then all of a sudden, she's not even a contender. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that I has thought been I'm very in, interesting like,
2: to see. I thought there was one of those qualification runs where Breen's keeping down, and I was like, oh, that's it, she's she got it in the bag. And same with Mick. Like, one of the earlier runs, I was like, there's no way that anyone's beating those two. But then in that super final run, it seemed like it shifted a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Honor your thoughts?
1: I I was trying to (laughs) press things down so I don't forget everything. Um, (laughs) You're good. Well, I I guess kind of just to play devil's advocate on the Akuma thing is, um, I guess I just personally like Akuma's skiing so much more than really everybody's, but especially Ben's, um, that I, I don't know. I kind of think that we, or I at least complain about that they emphasize mistakes too much sometimes. And they forget about, like, sometimes people just ski a better run, even if they make a mistake. Like, it's still better than somebody else who, like, skied a lamer run but made a didn't make any mistakes, you know? Yeah, So I kind absolutely. of feel that, like, Akuma's shit is so rad. Like, even if he made a little mistake, like, I don't really care. Um, and then also, like, I sometimes think that Ben's 1080s look kind of – they don't present super well from the bottom. So I think, like, maybe if you had a front angle of Ben's run, if we had a front angle of Ben's run, it would be – I think we would maybe like it less mm-hmm. or like Akuma's more. So back to the angles. Um, and then the, another thing on Perrine's is I think that maybe the judges have realized that that backflip Japan grab is, like, not a great – like, just kind of a – not a great trick. Um, I don't know. Like, not I don't want to – too close to home for you, maybe, Bobby, but, like, <laughs> no. I think a trick. Very much. Uh, and I think that maybe they realized that, like, as far as back grabs go, that's, like, the lamest trick ever, and it's super easy. So maybe they kind of are hitting on that now. And, and like, Jakara's run, like, she did the huge back mute, and it was so sick. So maybe, like, I don't know. I kind of thought maybe that was where they didn't like Perrine. But then again, there is a 360 ahead of her, so I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the,
0: yeah, that uh, Anastasia there, that, that Helly Mute. Um, uh, that, that, that's the interesting thing. And that really, it, 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 I'm curious what will happen from these results, like moving forward, the judges that see like, cause usually as you see, like each year, there's kind of a shift and obviously Walter got the gold, but how much are it, will that change? Like the judge's mind on the aggression, like, okay, because there are years, it seems like when you can make some mistakes and they kind of avoid looking at some of those but it 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 certainly seems nowadays at least until really this event that you know you would get hammered on your exits uh you would get ham. you know the the judges really look for that and also like on the jumping i think part of the reason why everyone stopped doing double full is because they came in with that pie chart and unless you're troy murphy and you can get that head right over the top if it's a little here And, or, you know, and I think that would happen with Mick or with Ben and their head would not be right over the top and they would get hit pretty hard on that. And so I don't know if creating that pie chart kind of sent some of the, some of the sport back a little bit. I mean, I know for the judges that don't really have a great idea, um, that, that they need something to be able to tell on a double full or on a cork, you know, if it's a cork seven or if it's a D spin. And that was kind of one of the challenges, not talking about the Olympics, but at least on the Noram tour, I mean, a lot of the girls, uh, especially in Apex just got absolutely hammered and uh, on, on some um, D spins and stuff like that, that, Hey, maybe the, on the pie chart, it was a little bit D spinny. And I mean, that's what goes into the judging. I mean, I guess you have sub judges that use it as a key and some absolutely like live by the pie chart. Well, technically I can't score this jump higher than a four because the pie chart says I can't score it higher than a four. So, I mean, that that always makes for some interesting uh, aspects in the judging, that's for sure. Is that, I, I thought that they eradicated
2: that like shortly after like a year or so after, if I'm mistaken, it's still around Oh, the chart, the chart. It's still
3: in there. there yeah. by the, by uh, chart,
2: I don't know. Mick can do those double Full straight over the top. No question. I don't know. I don't know if they were straight He's over got the top. Enough he
3: room. Was... <laughs> He's got enough room. He's got, if he can go big enough, you had those pretty good Troy. I, I got to give it to you that, uh, that valsincom world cup whatever year that was when you kind of came out of nowhere, came not out of nowhere but i think that was probably your first really top top uh, world cup result that was that was fairly impressive oh thank your, you your double fulls were definitely uh, definitely something to to model to model on
2: i appreciate yeah, that, that. I mean, that means a lot coming from you rob for
3: sure there, there's so much more to it than, than just the axis, though, and that bothers me a lot, especially when some of these other, you know, it seems like in a lot of cases, the grab forgives axis on the cork side. And, you know, uh, nothing against Jimmy Salin, but his cork seven tail grab is more inverted. His axis is better for backfall than most of the guys that do backfall, and he got the highest raw scores at the Ruka World Cup for the season opener. He's the he was the only guy that got nines for raw scores and he is completely upside down on that cork seven tail so i personally think that in most cases it's just a matter of you know we have there there are a lot of good judges in our sport there really are there and there's they're mostly good people for you know sucking up all the abuse that you know that we you know especially me dish on (laughs) these guys but i think there's just uh you know there's a lot of judges that don't really know and they kind of see a a grab thrown in there and they some of them will hit it super hard just because they don't know what a good one should look like and some of them will overscore it just because it looks cool to them and if you pin that landing and ski away clean lots of times you'll you'll see that so for me there's just there's just a ton of variability in the sport in the judging and uh you guys could probably get me really riled up on this, <laughs> on this topic pretty easily. But, uh, you know, going into Korea and going into uh, uh, Sochi, the head judges for those Olympic Games, those guys quite obviously cared about getting it right. And they put a lot of extra time. There's a lot, of, lot more transparency. There's a lot, of, uh, lot better communication amongst the teams and between the teams and the judges going into those events. And the scores were just more predictable. And I I wasn't there at the games this year. But what really struck me, and I think it's partly because of COVID, is the judges are really inaccessible these days. And there's a lot less communication. There's a lot less transparency. And I think that, you know, maybe some of the people in key positions in the judging world are not, you know, not necessarily our best people. And uh, not necessarily our best leaders when it comes to the world of judging and I, I really think you know like I we all know you know it, it's a judge sport it's part of the game but we use that as an excuse way too much in bump skiing and the kids deserve better all you guys as athletes you guys deserve better you know when you think about the time, energy, and money that we put into the sport and versus the time, energy, and money that are put into the people that determine our success or failure. And those things do not add up. And a little bit of a judging scandal in mogul skiing uh, wouldn't be the worst thing for our sport. Just really make people kind of examine what's going on and and how to make it better moving forward. I think that, that would be a good thing for our sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it certainly needs to evolve and I know they've changed some of the scoring systems around and everything else. But I mean, as we've all touched on the fact that you have a 360 still on the box when you have somebody doing a cork mute and you have multiple, multiple girls doing cork grabs and things of that nature. And that that's where it really goes back to, are you going to be rewarded for going out and doing that dd because if you're not then just do a spread if that's all you need to do to you know and you have the the turn quality or just do that 360 so it's it's really frustrating and i think it makes it difficult as a coach to try to talk to athletes and everything else about pushing the the dd you know pushing that moving into the next one seem, especially with uh you know when you're talking with girls trying to progress there they're like well you just had a girl do it with a heli mute why do i need to
3: do a cork seven Yeah. And we know, like we spoke about last time, like Anastasia, she was doing some pretty impressive cork sevens Mm -hmm. on the bottom air back in Idra in November, like she is capable of doing that. Um, So yeah, that's, they obviously saw it as not worth the risk and, and dialed it back and didn't really pursue do that cork seven for her going into you know going into the season going into the olympic games but she she's got it in her bag i'm sure you know she's young well she stays healthy we'll see that from her in the future assuming that you know the reward will be worth the risk yeah
0: yeah i mean certainly it, it paid off for her in that end i mean she she did get on the box and um so so it definitely worked out for that but I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think potentially doing the replay with the camera, getting that side angle so you can really get in and see that takeoff. I mean, if that's going to help progress, I mean, uh, you know, I think um, it, anything will, will really help because it, it's really difficult for these for these judges, at least it seems that way. Um, and I think in, in using that pie, pie chart, they're trying to create consistency, but – when some people use it and some people don't it's really difficult I mean as you talk with Jimmy Solomon and getting nines on a cork seven tail grab that's a full tail grab full with a cross and a tail grab in it so I mean that that's really like well how do you build that consider because some people just live by it and some people are like oh yeah like it, it should be pretty easy to see the axis as a judge you should be able to I mean I don't know if they need to come out and just do a panel at the water ramps and have some of them just show up at and the in Canada or everywhere and just be like okay watch the head position watch the okay there we are there it is I mean I I don't know thoughts guys
2: (laughs) I think it yeah the thing about the pie chart and I always feel like in general like we always build these little rules to try to like bandit an issue and it like really has to come back to like the fundamentals of like judging based on like the mechanics of the trick like you you know you can always see like if somebody comes off a jump and like goes early like you can see that it might be a split second but anybody who's been around the sport for a second knows like that that guy went earlier that guy um you know there's just like i think when you put like this geometric pie chart thing on something like you're not judging the trick for what it is you're just looking for you know, just some kind of really easy metric to put on it rather than, like, judging it based on, like, the fundamental mechanics of the trick. And the same goes for the turn, you know what I mean? Like, if we're just judging, looking by, like, based on how many breaks the person had or how close the legs were together the whole time, you know, you're still missing a huge fundamental piece of the turn, which is, like, the shape of the turn and, like, is the tip dropping and contacting the mobile first, like, all those types of things that we all know. I think they get oversimplified when you put these, like, very simple rules and uh, kind of parameters around it. And you kind of lose a little bit of the art and a little bit of the, you know, yeah, the things that we spent, like, the whole summer working on. Really, all you have to do is just keep your legs straight and don't go too, don't flip too much and, like, you'd be it.
0: <laughs> Hunter?
1: Yeah, I don't feel like I have too much to add to that. I feel like they kind of said it all. Like, the pie chart thing is just so frustrating as an athlete. Like, it, Like, if you do you can do a good cork seven and go a little bit more inverted and it doesn't mean it's worse than the person who does like a flatter, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, yeah, I think like maybe the judges aren't watching enough of the sport or they're not, I'm sure most of them are great, but I don't know. I I don't know. It is super frustrating. I don't really have much to add to this.
0: (laughs) E dog, anything to add? Uh,
1: You know, I don't like the pie chart.
4: (laughs) I, uh, I don't know. I think, like Hunter had said earlier, you know, it was a surprise to see Libby not do a 10 there, right? But in my eyes, like, Libby's got one of the most mechanical, technical 10s in the game. Like, that thing, you watch her take off and stuff, and you're like, damn, that is proper. But then she goes to Tremblant and does it and gets, what, like a seven-two-seven-four. And then there is, you know, a guy like Yimmy throwing it on that top hair, just hucking and praying up there and he's putting up you know eight two eight three and you're like well what are we doing so where's like where's the risk reward for someone like that doing that big of a trick if she can do a technical seven and put up a higher score which is i think that's where it's a little flawed especially on the female side with the dd is like there's some people that you know their takeoffs aren't that technical they'll do a cork or whatever get a score and then Someone like Livy, who has just a sick ten, they're like, "Let's give that a little above average." That was good, <laughs> you know. Which is like, that thing's—it's an excellent trick every time, like top tier. So that's kind of, yeah.
3: Agreed. You guys. You guys were maybe on the Noram tour, uh, may, you know. Maybe it's a little better there. I, I, you know, I was around for that Apex Noram, but I was, you know, just I was. Trying to minimize my time, rushing off to drive back down home as quick as I could after after training on those days. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it was better. But in my observation, the there needs to be way more practice. There needs to be way more communication between the sport the people that are actually doing the sport and the judges. And these kind of conversations, like what we're having right now, it should be, you know, part of the whole procedure during during an event during official training and you know briefings and debriefings of the competitions and at uh you know up to 2018 when i was around that that process was a little bit hit or miss but going into the olympic games like i said it was it was really good i thought i Mm -hmm. and a a lot of the rest of the time it seems like the judges you know they don't want to show that they're maybe favoring one team or one coach and they. They think it maybe it's unethical to have those kind of conversations but right. we need to have those conversations with the judges and i think there's room for you know a difference of opinion we don't always we don't all have to think the exact same things on every you know point of technique but i think it's a really important missing piece of the puzzle right now we we need to have the judges can't be off in their own silo you know just only seeing the sport through the, through the windows of the judges stand, it, there needs to be that kind of ongoing interaction amongst us guys like us, you know, the coaches and, and the judges. And uh, it's, I think it's, it's a, a huge missing piece. And it, if it's done on a regular basis, if we had good communication, it's, you know, pre, you know, preemptively, not so it's just a bitch session after every event, but right. you know, going into events, So we're talking about things, you know, maybe showing some video, discussing runs, everyone can kind of have their two cents. It's going to be better. And I I think we've seen that when that has been done, the the results, it's still not perfect, but it's a lot more predictable, reliable. And I think everyone feels better about it. I know it was always a big shocker to me, (laughs) the first event after the games, when you get a totally new judging panel, like last, last time around going to Tazawako and, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the specifics, but I remember thinking, "Oh my God, this is a different judging panel. These results do not make sense to me at all." <laughs> and uh, but you have that, you know, if you you have that ongoing practice and communication, I I think that's that you do see uh, an improvement in the quality of judging in our sport. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think a lot of that, uh, as you touched on, rather than having a bitching session, I mean, I think it makes sense to maybe start that conversation in the summer. You know, while while people are off, I know a lot of the judges have other jobs, but I mean, I feel like that's one of those things like, hey, we're, you know, this is this is July and these are just some of the results from last year and trying to get ahead and and get an idea so you can kind of get on the on the same page of what are you really looking for? What is supposed to be the top tier end and i mean I, I definitely agree with you that it, it it can be difficult from a judge's perspective on you know trying to ride that line of favoritism or whatever it else and that's definitely c- can be a slippery slope but there there needs to be uh, certainly a solution where that that communication happens because um the the communication is is small to say the least <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys have had the opportunity. I, I just shared the files uh, with you, Bobby, but uh, to ha- have a look at the video from the bottom, if if you're able to get access to the U.S. team's uh, video that they would have taken of the event, or I, I don't, I actually I I don't know for sure. I assume it was probably from the Canadian team. The video that I got, but I did have the chance to see the men's super final.
0: Okay, interesting.
3: From the bottom perspective, so I, you can maybe pass that along to the other boys here on the call, and yeah, we'll do. You guys can kind of have a look at that and, and see what you think after that. I, I again, for sure, I'm not saying that that Walter doesn't deserve it. Uh, these things are fluid situations, and when you're in the moment, he's going to be you know making decisions on strategy based on how he's being rewarded or not. And mm-hmm. I definitely am not saying that he's not a worthy Olympic champion, but at the same time, when I judge it. Strictly off the video, I had Mick first, Nick Page second, uh, Ben third, uh, Cooper fourth, Walter fifth, and Akuma sixth. That's how I scored it, according to you know the judging criteria and the, the video that I watched. Uh, if you look at those scores, like if you take the scores and extrapolate them back to the five-point system for turns for mm-hmm. versus you know the current 20-point system, yeah. virtually all the boys would have been scored either a I think either a four-two or four-three, either four-one, four-two or four-two, four, three. So everyone's kind of within a you know range of two tenths. Mm-hmm. And that never would have happened, you know, good judging or bad judging, that never would have happened under the old five-point yeah. uh, judging system And So you know there is definitely some weird some weird stuff there and but if, if you guys have a chance take uh take a look at that video and uh and then and then let us know what you think
2: yeah That's interesting excited to see that
3: i'm
4: excited yeah
0: definitely yeah no uh thank you thank you for passing that along for sure it's definitely one of those things where um the side angle gives gives quite the gives quite the perspective that's for sure so I'm, I'm curious to give it a look and i mean the one thing that you can definitely agree on is the fact that the judges can't take the speed points away that's the one that's thing sure. they can take anything else away from you but they can never take those speed points those are yours and yours forever
3: <laughs> this is true
0: yeah, so I mean, on the on the women's side, just talking into Jakara a little bit, I mean, it was really exciting to to see her kind of come through, and I think um, as kind of uh, Emerson and a few other have kind of touched on, just how great it is for the sport. I mean, having another Australian get get a gold, and she skied so um, so consistently, and that was kind of the thing going in with the sharp uh, sharp bumps and the in the mean course there, and she's really hit that cork mute like all season. That thing's been really stock, and that mute, the, like I said, a few times it seemed like she didn't quite get the hips through, kind of came down the hill more than getting quite the uh, same amplitude. I mean, she really hit it nicely in, uh, in China. And it was, so that, that was really exciting to watch on the women's side. And I think um, just looking at it overall for the sport of mogul skiing, I mean, I think it's fantastic. You have Walter. Get the gold sweden i mean i think that f- we will be spending plenty of time in sweden in the fall and uh in idre especially the, all that dirt work and all the investment that they're doing but i mean i think personally if if mick was potentially on the fence about like maybe being done if he got another gold or not like for me it's like okay i think mick's now going another four years I think he wants that redemption and he'll, he'll take the time and he's still young and he's still clearly at the top of his powers. So for me, I think it's exciting on that end that I think it keeps Mick uh, in the sport for, for another four years. I could be wrong, but that's kind of how I lean after that kind of disappointment. And as I touched on the last show, you know, I mean, I know he, he looks at the history and he wants every, every single uh, one of those records or to be tied with it. So, um, and, and I think, Uh, Also, just speaking back to the different countries, I mean, you think, you know, you got Australia on the box, you got the U.S., you got Russia, you have um, also Japan, you have Sweden, you have Canada. I mean, that's a really, really uh, nice for the sport. And I think it keeps the growth and it keeps uh, a lot of countries interested for the long haul, especially as hopefully duels gets into the Olympics. And I actually heard that at Junior World Championships, they're planning on doing mixed duels mixed team duels so uh i don't know how that'll i haven't seen yeah. how that goes but that sounds really cool as well
4: yeah i'm excited to see it i hope it actually happens
3: i think <laughs> did they, they try that at parisher right like they the did last yeah time that mm-hmm. we were able to go to parisher for a summer <laughs> training i never really heard too much about how that went over but uh it's interesting it's something anyways <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely gonna be interesting to see. So I guess yeah, junior world championships will kind of have that, and then we have one more uh, duels world cup uh, this weekend. Uh, Val Malenko be popping off, and then world cup finals in Majev, and it'll kind of be nice. World cup finals is actually singles and and duels. It's not so you get you get kind of best of both worlds as they try to make that push for for the uh, Olympics with with duels. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of lays out. I got some of the some of the points in there and it's, it's going to be a pretty interesting finish. There's still a lot on the line uh, at world cup finals, especially for a few people that are, are definitely in, in play. I feel like we're looking at Valmolenko do like the royalty
2: here with Hunter and Emerson. I feel like these guys must have dual citizenship in Italy. After how many times they've been there?
4: <laughs> I've never been.
2: Oh, I <laughs> Hunter's
1: Hunter's the king there. I, I, you I went three times. I think the best result I came away with was a sixth place. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> not bad. He's got it on lock.
1: Yeah, locked down, dude. That, I'm actually super stoked to see people do on that course. It's definitely like one of the most challenging courses I've ever skied. And it has like a super steep top air and then a humongous bottom air. So, I feel like it's going to be a super fun event to watch. Is that the one where you did the front flip out of the duels gate? That is the one where I front flipped out of the duels gate. And then still beat Casey no i lost by one point but it was my best run ever on that course so well, you beat him down though right i You're did smoking. beat him down yeah <laughs> yeah fun play i mean it's a it's a cool spot too it's a, it'll be a super interesting world cup
0: how much does that bottom air fall away because i mean from dude, watching all like, the videos it seems like it's like kind of a calgary or calgary back in the day before they kind of did that that dirt work more. i think more. Bro, i was
1: landing i was front-siding the third mobile it was you can go to the moon on that thing <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous.
3: I was there once. They had World Cup finals there in two thousand nine or two thousand eight, I think. And uh, I believe Dave Babick won that event, and uh, Vincent Marquis was second. And uh, most of that week, it was beautiful. The course skied pretty easy, but of course, all the training was from about eleven o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon. So beautiful spring-like conditions and then contest day of course for live tv it was at eight o'clock in the morning and it was hard as rock oh. and it was a completely different course than what anybody had skied all week and it was I, I don't know if there were I don't recall if there were injuries but it would have been very lucky if they got through that event without any serious ones it was uh it was a challenge <laughs> it's a challenge to say the least but uh I have great memories of that place too. The one time I went, it was a beautiful, beautiful spot.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting to see for the on the on the dual side. Uh, so you got Mick in the lead on the men's side. Two hundred. He's got two hundred points. Akuma is in second with one forty. So not only do you have Valmalenko, then you have World Cup finals. So that's pretty tight. And then you have uh, falls off after that. You got Walter with ninety eight in third. So, and then on the women's side, Jakara's in the lead with 160. Perrine's in second with 116. And then Anastasia is in third with 109. Kai Owens in fourth with 100. And then Reno Yanagimoto uh, in fifth with 95 for the duels. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see. And duels is such a a wild card on that course. Hopefully you don't have too many people uh, front-siding the third mogul.
3: Are we? Uh, I don't know. I, maybe you guys know, but are are we allowing the Russians to uh, participate in the end of the? Are they banned from in freestyle, or are they allowed to compete here?
2: Good question. I don't know. I haven't heard anything.
0: I believe FIS made an announcement that across like all FIS that that uh, Russia was not skiing. I believe I thought that I saw that on social hey. media or something like that. That FIS had kind of made that statement. So I don't. I, I believe it was for all like. Or all skis. Yeah, all disciplines. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, crazy. Crazy days.
0: Yeah. Well, that, and that was, speaking of uh, just of Russia, not only Anastasia, but I think it was uh, Nikita Andreev, There was that one Russian who won Junior Thank World Championships you. last year who was just going absolutely huge on that top air, that fall. He was taking that thing to the moon and was skiing super, super fast. Yeah.
3: I don't know if it was him, but there was maybe the other Russian boys did double fall. When Troy said that, I think there was the one one of the Russian kids did double full in the top mm-hmm. area. That's right, I and remember that. It. It's a good good try, but kind of blew it.
1: When I was there, the Russians swept the box too. They they've skied well on that course in the past. Interesting. Where
4: does where does Brad sit in that duels overall?
0: <sighs> Brad is sitting in fifth right now. With uh, he's got seventy two points. So, How about Jalen?
2: I feel like Jalen might go on a warpath here after that. She's got the games out of her belt with some success. I feel like she's just about to go on
0: a tear. Uh, I just have the uh, top five up because those were kind of the only ones in contention with two World Cups ago, and she is not in the top five. So, yeah, and Brad, Brad's sitting in fifth with 72. Ludwig is in fourth with 92. And, yeah, I mean... On the men's side, at least for singles, I mean, there's one World Cup left. It's really down between Mick and Akuma. Mick's got 572. Akuma's got 560. And then Walter sitting in third with 345. And then on the women's side for singles is pretty tight between the top three. You have Henri with 549, Perrine with 510, and then Jakara sitting in third with 505. Tight. Very tight be interesting to see how that, how that course kind of comes together in, in Majev this year, at least on the single side, that's kind of the last, last event, Val Malenko and then, uh, Majev for duels. So you get a, a couple more there. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see how that's all going to play out. Yeah. Looking yeah at it's it, been a
3: while since there's been a tight, tight race coming right down to the finish here. I, that's, uh, I can't remember the last time it was, uh, it
0: was that tight. Yeah, Kuma's. I mean, it's it's kind of been back and forth, and it's gonna be interesting. Interesting to see. Let me. I'm gonna pull it up and see where Jalen is sitting on the duels. So just bear with me for a second here. Let's see, Jalen and the duels. She is. Seventh, so she's seventh on the, with seventy-two points.
4: Where does uh, Tess sit on that duels list?
0: She is sitting in sixth with seventy-seven points.
2: That's going to be an interesting one to watch too. <laughs> she comes back strong for
0: sure. Yeah, that'll definitely be be interesting to see how that how she uh, how she responds because I think she went over there, right? Sat in a hotel room. So, I believe so. Yeah, that'll be that'll definitely be interesting to see all those dynamics as they kind of come around to the to the end of the year. Get ready to see what's going to happen next year. What do you guys think for what are what are some of the picks for for World Cup finals? What do you guys uh, think will think will happen there?
4: Like the uh, the overall, or what do you mean?
0: I think yeah, let's get, overall. You think Mick's going to be able to hold off Akuma in uh, singles and duels?
3: I do, yeah. I I do. I, think I would so. say
0: yes for both. I would say yes to probably. Yeah. Hunter. <laughs> yeah.
2: I feel like. I'm
0: in. Yeah, I think I, I think yeah. Nick's gonna be on the war path. That's I definitely I,
4: I think France will probably be a pretty standard World Cup, just with Majeb being the way it is. Like that course flattens out, right? It's just a gun show. Um I'm very excited to watch duels on Bal Malenko. That's uh that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> like I can't wait for that.
0: And how long is that course? It's super short.
4: Yeah, I mean I think what did Rowley see it in 17, 18 seconds at a junior world? Dude,
1: Brad's heated in like yeah, seventeen yeah. seconds at one year. <laughs> yeah, that's a
4: guy. I mean, Brad's winning run there from like twenty thirteen is like ridiculous. One of the I mean <laughs> He damn near landed on the finish line with backup. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, he did. Yeah,
2: I remember that too.
4: Like, there's so many guys I want to see duel on that course. Appreciate it. it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll definitely be interesting to see how that lays out. I'm interested to see how Cole does. You know, he had that good result in in France there in duels. See him kind of bounce back. It was nice to watch him at the Olympics. You know, I thought I thought he skied pretty well. I was kind of interested to with some of the, some of the scoring there, but I mean, once again, side angle, there were, there were a few of those there that was definitely a little bit uh, interesting, but I think the future's bright. I mean, one of those, you know, we've definitely touched on, but I mean, Nick page to me, absolutely showed up and like took a significant step. Like you could see at each run, he kind of, his confidence seemed to build and and that consistency. And I think that's the best skiing I've probably ever seen Nick do. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought he skied great, and I was super, super excited to see that. And I think um, it, it really g- is going to help propel what his future is going to look like.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The way he skied out of the top air was uh, he had the most composed, most seamless exit from the top air for sure. And I think he's, uh, he's got a bright future ahead for sure if he stays healthy.
0: Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else we want to kind of touch on here? Anything uh, in the notes that we're thinking of? There's silence. Do we know if, uh,
2: like, if Matt Graham's going to ski? I know sometimes they don't ski the end of the season, wondering, you know, if he's how he's feeling after that, you know, coming back from injury and then also disappearing.
3: Wow, that was a tough, that was a tough one for him, huh? Like, yeah. it was a it was good fun. try, but, boy... I don't know that that must be he would have had to have still sucked up quite a bit of pain and discomfort. You got to think coming back from that kind of a break, trying to compete on that. I, I heard that Australia as a team is going to be there. I know uh, I, I know uh, Jordan was talking to, talking about uh, Cooper being there. So I think he had been in contact with him. So I, I, I think the, the their team is planning on being there this time around. But uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Hopefully, Matt can can bounce back. I'd love to see him come back strong and uh give it another four years too. He's great, great skier, great competitor.
0: Yeah, for sure. And same thing with uh with Cooper, you know, as we touched on with Nick, I mean, it was really a, a coming out party for for Cooper. You kind of started to see it in Mount Tremblant when it was there. It was like, man, he's really starting to starting to ski well. You could kind of each run see that confidence start to grow and then built on that at Deer Valley. I mean, he really, really started to dial things in there. And then, um, so um, it'd be exciting to see uh, his his future certainly bright as well. And it'd be good to watch. All right, boys. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, getting to chat, um, do a little uh, wrap up of the Olympics and kind of give a little preview for, for World Cup finals there. So thank you guys for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby.
2: Um, thank
0: you as always hey everybody i hope you enjoyed today's episode please make sure to like share and subscribe and if you're watching or listening on youtube please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops thanks